0: Imagine, maybe you don't have to imagine, maybe it's real in some of our lives, being a married lady who reads romance novels. And as the lady is reading the romance novel, dreams of a guy in the novel and having a husband like him rather than her own husband. Imagine a man who is married who surfs the web for pornography while thinking about how nice the women he sees are in contrast to his wife. Imagine a child or a teen who listens to and obeys rules at home to stay out of trouble but doesn't care for or respect his or her parents. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Mark, chapter 7, reading together, verses 1 through 23. Mark 7, 1 through 23. If you want to stand, Jeff, you can, and the rest of you guys can just stay where you are. Mark 7, 1 through 23. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus, and some saw and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were unwashed or unclean, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied for <coughs> of the As it is
1: written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You
0: have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of the men. For Moses said, I'm sorry. And he said to them. <laughs> you,
1: have, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your
0: own tradition. For Moses said.
1: Honor your father and your mother. And anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have. gift devoted to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. Thus you know about the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things
0: like that. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said,
1: listen to me, everyone, and understand
0: After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? He asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it does not go into his heart, into his stomach, and out from of his body. In this, or in saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on. What comes out of a man is... What makes him unclean?
1: For from within, out of men's man's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a
0: As we consider this passage again this morning, we found last week that the Pharisees, teachers of the law, observed Jesus. They've been doing that throughout his ministry, and they find that there's a problem. And as we mentioned last week, the Pharisees and teachers of the law had a big long list of traditions that needed to be followed, and those traditions were beyond the Mosaic law. Basically, they put a fence around the Mosaic law to try to help people to make sure they obeyed the Mosaic law. So in verse 5, the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? And then Jesus responds, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written, then he quotes from Isaiah. Isaiah. The response of Jesus almost seems as if he doesn't answer their question. Because the question is quite direct. Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? Jesus' answer in the long way around is, my disciples eat with unwashed hands because I'm concerned about their heart first. My disciples eat with unwashed hands because I'm concerned about their hearts first. His response is very strong and cuts to the core of their outward (coughs) religion. And then he quotes (coughs) from Isaiah chapter 29 and verse 13. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught. Now keep in mind, Isaiah is basically a book of judgment on Israel for their disobedience to the Lord, but in the midst of that judgment, there is promise over and over again, and the reason God promises is because he made a covenant with Abraham, and he's fulfilling that covenant with Abraham, part of that covenant with Abraham, and then also Moses and Israel was that if you obey, I will bless, if you disobey, I will curse. So Isaiah is pronouncing some curses, but he's also announcing some blessings because God is faithful to his covenant. And as you think about Isaiah overall, in chapter 24, we find that the speaks of the Lord's devastation of the earth. Chapter 25 is praise to the Lord for future blessing. Chapter 26 is a song of Praise. And it involves the deliverance of Israel also. Chapter 27 is woe to Ephraim. Chapter 28 is woe to David's city. Chapter 29 is woe to an obstinate nation. Chapter 30 is woe to those who rely on Egypt. Chapter 31 is the kingdom of righteousness. So we see that there's a combination of judgment and blessing, but it all goes back to God's promise to Israel involving Abraham and Moses. Now let's go back to Isaiah chapter 29. Isaiah chapter 29. When the Old Testament is quoted in the New Testament, sometimes it's good to go back and just get a feel for the passage. We'll begin reading with verse 1. "'Woe to you, Errol, Errol, the city where David settled. "'Add year to year and let your psycho fest festivals go on. "'Yet I will besiege you, Errol. "'She will mourn and lament. "'She will be to me like an altar hearth. "'I will encamp against you all around. "'I will encircle you with towers "'and set up my siege works against you.'" Again, he's speaking of Jerusalem. Verse 4, Brought low, you will speak from the ground.'" Your speech will mumble out of the dust. Your voice will come ghost-like from the earth. And out of the dust, your speech will whisper. But your many enemies will become like fine dust, the ruthless hordes like blow and chaff. Suddenly, in an instant, the Lord Almighty will come with thunder and earthquake and great noise, with windstorm and tempest and flames of devouring fly. Then the hordes of all the nations that fight against Errol, that attack her and her fortresses and besiege her, will be, as it were, with a dream, as it is with a dream, with a vision in the night. As when a hungry man dreams that he is eating, but awakes and his hunger remains. As when a thirsty man dreams that he is drinking, but he awakes faint with his thirst unquenched. So will it be with the hordes of all the nations that fight against Mount Zion. Be stunned and amazed. Blind yourself and be sightless. Be drunk, but not from wine. Stagger, but not from beer. The Lord has brought over you a deep sleep. He has sealed your eyes, the prophets. He has covered your heads, the seers. For you see, this whole vision is nothing but words sealed in a scroll. And if you give the scroll to someone who can read and say to him, read this phrase, he will answer, I can't. It is sealed. Or if you give him the scroll to someone who can read and say, read this please, he will answer, I don't know how to read. The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship in me is made up of, only of rules taught by men. Therefore, once more, I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. The wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. Woe to those who go to great depths to hide their plans from the Lord. You who do, their work, who do their work in darkness and think, who sees us, who will know? You who turn things upside down as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. Shall what is formed form say to him who formed it? He did not make me. Can the pot say to the potter, He knows nothing? Now, please keep in mind that what Isaiah is saying about the Jews, Jesus is saying about the Pharisees and teachers of the law. What is true of the Jews is true of the Pharisees and teachers of the law. In verses 9 and 10 of Isaiah, the Lord says, Be stunned and amazed. Blind yourselves. The Lord has brought over you a deep sleep. In chapter 3 of Mark, 23 through 30, we find that Jesus refers to the Pharisees as blaspheming the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah, in chapter twenty nine and verse sixteen, show what is form say to him who formed it I hit the wrong wing. show what is show what is <clears throat> show what is form say to him who formed it In chapter seven of Mark and verse five. Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? The Pharisees and teachers of the law continue to fail to realize that they're dealing with the potter. Christ, as revealed in this part, to this point in Mark. They don't see him as a potter, just as the Jews failed to see the Lord as their potter. In chapter 2 of Mark, and verse 7, what happens? Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And what does Jesus do? He forgives the man his sins and then heals him, saying, I am equal with God. I am God. In chapter 2 and verse 19, Jesus answered, How can the guest of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot so long as they have him with them. Jesus is saying, I'm the bridegroom. Just as God is a bridegroom to Israel. In chapter 2, 21 and 22, No one sews a patch in an unshrunk cloth. Or an old garment, if he does, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins, if he does. The wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, he pours new wine into new wineskins. Jesus is saying, I'm the new wine, I'm the new wineskins. And in verse 20, 28, he says, So the Son of Man is the Lord, even of the Sabbath. What is true of God to Israel, Jesus is saying, I am. I'm the potter. The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, challenge him. In verse 13 of Isaiah 29, the Lord said, and he goes on to share some things in Isaiah, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And we find in chapter 7 and verse 6 that Jesus replied. Jesus is comparing himself to the Lord, claiming to be equal with the Lord in Isaiah 29. In verse 13 of Isaiah, this people, and the Lord goes on to speak of them about their worship. And in verse 6, uh, Mark 4, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. What was true of the Jews is true of the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. So when Jesus quotes from Isaiah, it's important to understand that context. He says, These people honor me with their lips. But their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. So the Pharisees honored God with their lips. The teachers of the law had hearts that were far from the Lord. Their worship was in vain. Their teachings are rules taught by men. He's saying that to the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. He's saying that to the pastors and to the elders and to the missionaries in modern-day America if we made that parallel. What was true in Isaiah's day was true of the Pharisees and teachers of the law. They were in a deep sleep. Sealed your eyes. The Lord did that. Their hearts were covered, their hearts were far from the Lord. The worship of the Lord is rules taught by men. They seek to hide their plans from the Lord. They do their work in darkness. They turn things upside down thinking the potter is like the clay. And it's the clay saying to the potter, he did not make me or "or he knows nothing. What was true of the Jews in Isaiah's day is true of the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. The quote from Isaiah shows how very far these people were from Jesus. They were steeped in their traditions. They were hard. They had no idea of the identity, the character, and the being of Jesus. They were not willing to consider that Jesus, or consider Jesus for who he was and his character in his identity, and in his being. But they were religious leaders. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, hypocrites, you teachers of the law, you Pharisees. These people, these Pharisees, these teachers of the law, honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. These teachers of the law, these Pharisees, worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You know, sometimes we can read Scripture and we can study Scripture, and we just end up understanding it. Let's move beyond understanding and make some applications. Examples of Pharisees and teachers of the law today. One example would be, Religious groups who emphasize dress and a dress code that says you must dress, appear physically in a certain way. And there are a fair number who would emphasize that. When I was born, my parents were in a very strict Mennonite church. As much as I hate to admit it, they would tie into Pharisees and teachers of the law. Because my mother would get obsessed with having to put this white hat on, the strings in her covering, having the right kind of dress on, and so on. My dad would have to wear a plain suit. You couldn't wear a tie and so on. And if you did not do those things, you were in big trouble. And there are other religious groups that do that today. That's what the Pharisees were doing with their traditions. Washing of cups, pitchers and kettles, the washing of hands. It was a ceremonial washing that they had to follow. And I gave the example of a man last week who was a Jew who was in captivity And he almost died of thirst because he was using his water to wash his hands before he would eat. That would be an example. Another one would be, must be a certain style of music in a service or services. Some people will say, you must Have traditional music, and if you don't have it, you're sinning. You must. And then you go to the other extreme, you must have contemporary music, or you're wrong. And they make it a law. Pharisees, teachers of the law. And I'm talking about the must part, where it must be a certain way. Or You're sinning. Music has been a battleground for many years. What does God say? But the must part. Attendance at services is a measure of spirituality. And it ends up being a duty. Not out of desire. Oh, They come to every service. They're really spiritual. They miss one every now and then. They're not as spiritual. And it becomes a rule. It determines spirituality rather than being concerned about the heart and the desire. Ruth and I get married on a Saturday evening, if I recall, 7 o'clock. In Northumberland, Pennsylvania. After the wedding ceremony, we had a reception in the basement of the church. And following the reception, we went to our house and picked up a few clothes, even though I forgot some, and uh, we went off to a hotel. And I don't remember what time it was when we got to the hotel, but I said to Ruth Ann, no, remember, tomorrow morning we have to go to church. So we get up and as faithful Tennessee Temple students we went to church. Because I knew that when I get back on campus I would have to fill out a form to make sure that I followed the letter of the law and I attended a church service every Sunday over Christmas break. That's a measure of spirituality. We were never asked on the form that we had to fill out each week, did you go to worship because you desired God and wanted to lift him up? They'd fallen into a category that wasn't necessarily good. In light of scripture, a Pharisee teacher of the law attitude seems to be taught and caught primarily through religious leaders, pastors and elders, and husbands and fathers. I'm fearful that it's possible is a major factor behind many not going on for God who who were raised in so-called Christian homes and the church, it may be due to rejecting the Pharisee leaders and parents rather than rejecting Christ. Where there's this rule, you must, you must, you must. Rather than freedom in Christ, we desire, we desire, we desire. Couple applications. And then we'll read Scripture together. A Pharisee, Pharisee husband. Follow me, he says to his wife. Let me lead. Listen to me in decisions. I'm the head around here in demands. From the heart, sharing scripture with his wife concerning, relating to the decision, praying together for wisdom and explaining the reasons. It's a marked difference. One may be a pharisaical husband, a tradition, or a a teacher of the law. The other being concerned about the heart. A possible pharisaical husband. Wife doesn't get her act together in how she handles the money, so the husband makes threats and says, Honey, you're no longer going to have this, you know, because you didn't handle the money well. Well, A husband who is concerned about the heart shares the position that they have in Christ. Discuss genuine contentment, that contentment is not in how much we have or how little we have, but it's in Christ. Sitting down and praying together, expressing, husband expressing, unconditional love and acceptance. Quite a few years ago, Ruth Ruthann called me one day and she said, I just want you to know that I wrecked the VW. And the guy that hit her was very, very upset because he was afraid that I was going to become angry at Ruth Ann. Now, I had a choice. I could have been a Pharisaical husband. Or I could have been one who was Christ-like in response. So she called me and she said, what happened? She said, you know, I tore the fender off the bug. And you tore the fender off the bug. Fine. You okay? Kid's okay? She said, yeah. I said, well, I'll be out to get you. And that was the end of it, basically. I could have said, you what? You did that in Chattanooga with the opal. What's wrong with you? You're a terrible wife. Pharisaical husband. Versus one who is concerned about the heart. We basically have a choice in how we respond. We can be Pharisees, teachers of the law, or we can be concerned about the heart, as Jesus emphasizes later on. And as you think about your life, are you a Pharisee, teacher of the law, Or are you more concerned about the heart as Jesus was? A married lady who reads many romance novels, she dreams of a guide, like in the novels, rather than her husband. Her heart is far from her husband. A man who is married surfs the web for pornography while thinking how nice those ladies are in contrast to his wife. His heart is far from his wife. A child or a teen who listens, obeys rules at home to stay out of trouble, but doesn't care for or respect his or her parents. Their heart is far from their parents'. As we think about worshiping in the balance of the service, as we read scripture together, do we merely keep it? Or does it come from a desire to obey Christ? As we pray together, do we just pray and are we talking to God? Or do we desire to communicate with him? As we sing together, do we desire to sing as unto the Lord? Or are we just going through the motions as we give Are we giving out of a heart of grace? I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 5 as we read a portion of Scripture together as Danny comes to read.